welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And boys, we have uh, we have on, on tap an episode that we're calling, um, what are we calling it? The word debacle was involved. Um, we're talking about politics. We're yeah, talking about election, the election debacle, debacle. Uh, the Trump yeah. debacle, but that doesn't seem fair because I think Hillary's probably a debacle as well. So, yeah, yeah. just election debacle 2016. Election debacle 2016. Keep in mind that I don't care right. at all. Um, it's football season. I got a lot of irons in the fire, man. I just don't care. <laughs> at the time, I don't, I, don't be, I don't believe in politics. I have the, no hope. Yeah, and at the time politics. we're recording this, the Vikings are 5 and 0, which means that I'm equal parts like impressed and excited and preparing myself for an epic collapse. So that's taking up far more energy than uh than Dude, you're dealing with that politicians. kind of self-loathing thing that fans in sort of perpetually losing environments get where they don't even know what to do with a good thing that's dropped in their well, lap. You know what I mean? Here's the thing. Like, it's fascinating. You, at first, you don't know what to do with it. And then after a few years, you, you know exactly what to do with it. And it's you don't trust it because – Dude, you, you have going... so many layers of self-protection built up. Yes. Here's what I don't want to happen, Pipe. I don't want you to miss the enjoyment of the season because you're so busy protecting your own heart. You know what I mean? Okay, so here's here's a question. Yes, I'm I'm guarding my heart from the Vikings. That's not guard actually, your heart, baby. That's a, that's a they'll st- steal your heart, that they, <laughs> and then they'll stomp all over it. Uh, that's right, just like boys. Um, <laughs> no, here's the thing: is like is is this can can you really enjoy a season when it ends in abject and utter failure? Uh, it depends what you're calling abject and utter failure, man. I look at your season so far, and this is not just me trying to like, you know, prop you up emotionally, but I mean, I look at a team that lost the most important player on its offense and the quarterback, uh, the most important part of most offenses. And I look at the team that lost its best player and Adrian Peterson and to envision a scenario in which you made a trade that everyone in the world, including you and me, thought was just absolutely Dumb. moronic. Yeah. And you made it work. Um, you not only made it work, you made it work to the tune of a, an undefeated record so far. You know, you're getting nice work out of your backfield depth. Um, the defense is doing what it does. I mean, you're you're in a pretty great position, man. All of those things are true. And that is a little different than like when you come into a season expecting to be amazing. And then you are. That's right. Because then there's nothing to really be. There's, there's no sort of That's additional right. pleasure. And no, this is a surprise. But uh, yeah. I still expect them to go something like 12-4 and four and, and lose in the first round of the playoff on a, on a fumble or a missed Dude, you know field what I, goal. Dude, you know something. what I'm reminded of with this Viking team? And this is going, this is going deep football. I'll keep this quick for Ronnie's sake. But, <laughs> Ronnie's smart. Um, it's okay. It reminds me of when the Giants lost Phil Simms and they had that great loaded defense, very physical. Uh, they plug in Jeff Hostetler to manage the game, not turn the ball over. And uh, and they and they went to a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl. Jeff Hosteller. So um, this feels similar to me. And that Sam Bradford is never going to dazzle you. Like he's he's not. You know we're not going to be breathless about Sam Bradford performances. But if he can manage the game and and you know let the defense uh, be dominant, then uh, you know I think you guys could go deep. I would I would take it. I mean, and honestly, he's he has way outplayed my expectations. And if he keeps Absolutely. us up for a deep playoff run, I will. Uh, politely eat my criticisms with a knife and a fork and say thank you may i have another 
Absolutely. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, well, welcome to Mahaney Sports. Rachel the Held Evans. <laughs> oh, big R. Big R's oh, getting Ronnie's tense. Ronnie's here. Ronnie's here. Hey. The third man in our booth is ready to talk politics, ready guys, to solve all the world's guys, problems. Guys, do you, do, you, do you need me here? Do you want me here? You know, should I just, should I step out for a few or where are we at right now? Big R, I'm sorry to subject you to all this locker room talk. That I've <laughs> that I've done here with my co-host Barnabas, but careful uh, with that term. Offensive. We, we need to use oh, trigger, trigger warning. Trigger Dude, warning. I know. Locker room talk. Guys, listen. Here's why I don't want to talk about politics. I spend all the live long freaking day at a college campus, like having to have these conversations and Maybe having kids to wa- that think they care about politics when they yeah, really exactly. just are just and, bored and, and they don't have anything else to do. That's it. And having to walk on like the thinnest of eggshells, right? Because if you even remotely say anything that they don't agree with, you know, it's, uh, it, Which it can be disastrous. Which is everything that you say. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Pretty much. So, uh, boys, I'm going to tread lightly on these topics. I'm going to say very little, but pipe, I want you to say much about, uh, about the people who keep it raining cashiche on this program. Yes. That's, and, uh, that's what we're about. And, uh, the, the men who make us business moguls. So, uh, pipe, tell us about our sponsors. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to let Ronnie know that there is no, uh, there are no megachurch pastors involved in this week's sponsorship. So he, uh, nobody he will be offended by, nobody he will call a heretic, nobody he'll nobody that he has to, to distance over. himself from, yeah. Yeah. nobody he has to feel guilty about going into the pulpit next Sunday afterwards. Like none of that. <laughs> um, we have we have our, our two very established sponsors. One is Logos Bible Software, and the other is Missional Wear. So if you're a longtime listener, you've heard us. Uh, recommend them both to you before. So Logos, if you go to logos.com slash happy rant, you can explore their brand new Logo 7. It's their newest release. So they've been doing Bible software for years. They probably have the most advanced uh, Bible software for for pastors, for students, for people who want to dig into the word deeply, uh, both in the original languages, using a variety of, of commentaries and Bible resources. They have features which will pull in all of the all of the so if you're if you're searching a, a Bible text, they will pull in all the referenced material on that for you. So you have access to, I mean, it could be Calvin's commentaries and uh, you know the Nicot series and all of these different commentaries in there, all at your fingertips right there, along with original languages and all that. You can do all of your sermon preparation in there. I just saw on Twitter the other day a pastor recommend that feature. Said he loves preparing his sermon in Logos because. Because everything he needs is right there from the text itself to his own notes, to his own outline, to all of these other things. So they, And then Logo 7 has this, this clean, uh, accessible, manageable look. So go to logos.com slash happyrant and then uh, use the code happyrant7 at checkout and you'll get, uh, you'll get a free Spurgeon's commentary as part of that package. So uh, one thing I do want to say about Logos, if you look at the price on it, it's a little bit expensive right up front, but that's because you're not just getting um, access to the software. You're getting a whole library of resources. So they have basic packages, gold packages, et cetera, and depending on which one you get, you get additional resources. And those come out to be really just a dollar or two or a few dollars per item instead of paying full price for each at an a la carte. So uh, if you look at that price and it's expensive, you're really buying a library, not just software. Mission Aware, which we all know, uh, you can also go to CalvinistSwag.com. That's uh, that's a. I, I'm I'm still proud that we helped them get that name. That was a that was a. Dude, that's that's maybe the most significant thing we've done on this program. <laughs> which, which, you may, know? which maybe means we should quit, but uh, <laughs> still something to be proud of. But it really is pretty much Calvinist swag. Like I'm on their homepage right now, and they have uh, some sweet new mug and T-shirt designs, including these sort of stenciled. Uh, 
portraits of John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon. They have pint glasses. And uh, the thing about their designs are is that they're all really pretty tastefully done. I actually wear some of their shirts uh, without being embarrassed, unlike other Christian T-shirts. So uh, then they have this new line of moleskin journals, which have these laser-etched pictures of Calvin Spurgeon, etc., on them. So uh, it's just a, it's a standard moleskin journal, but with that on the front. And those are really cool. Uh, so if you use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout, you get... Whatever it is you're purchasing, great gift stuff here as well. And then you'll also get a sweet Happy Rant sticker as part of the deal, which uh, which are pretty nifty. I have one on my laptop. I actually have our old logo one on our laptop. I'm waiting on the I new logo I would like one with one. the new logo. Yes, I'm you sure know? we can get those from them. Uh, you know what t- else? I'd, I'd like a I'd like a moleskin with our our images on the front. You know what? They, would, they, would that be too hard? Here's the thing: they after we mm-hmm. after we had them as a sponsor last time, they emailed me unsolicited and said, "Hey, we are uh, we're working on some a podcast series and set of stuff." So I think I think they're looking right. at some pint glasses. Uh, so there okay. would be us. There'd be Reform Pubcast. There's uh, Doctrine and Devotion, which is Joe Thorne's podcast. Which is uh, Joe Thorne is a listener of this one, and so props to him and his podcast. Um, and I don't remember what the other one would be, but I think it's a set of four with different podcasts who support them and who they support uh, as a set of four pint glasses, which can be used for any beverage if you're of the non-alcohol uh, drinking variety, or clearly for beer as well. So go to mission. You know I'm guarding my heart about that, man. Uh, yeah. I feel like my, my heart's been wounded too many times <laughs> and your, you wa- and your waistline. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, so go to missionalware.com, use the code happy rant and get your sticker, buy your Calvinist swag, give it to your favorite reformed person or yourself. And, uh, <laughs> and your life will be better because of it. There you go, man. Well, speaking of things that don't make your life better at all. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about this election, boys. And uh, let me preface this because I do work at a college campus um, by saying my hope, none of my hope is in this election. Uh, that's never been more true than this year. So, um, so are you so, going to write, are you going to write blog post number 7,312 that reminds everyone that Jesus is still on the throne? No, man, but I'm going to remind myself of that often, to be honest, because like it's so easy to get uh, it's easy to get bummed out about it. And uh, I was just telling a student, actually, before I came up here, like I can't wait till this is over because I feel like it's really it's really kind of thrown a dark cloud over the campus, man. And, And just what it is in and of itself has thrown the dark cloud. But also, I think just the way that people are interacting with each other about it, um, you know, it's just it's just, it's not been the greatest look for us, man. And, and, and it's not been the best, you know, the best semester of discourse, you know, ever. And uh, I'll, I'll just be glad when it's over. How do you have a civil discourse when one of the leading candidates is he's I, I don't have polite words to describe what he is. I mean, he's he, yeah. he makes a living attacking and bullying and generally just maligning everybody who is not him so it does if they if they're a woman they're maligned if they have brown skin they're maligned if they're poor they're maligned which is funny because he also wants the poor people's vote and he's he's all about uh the working class american even though i don't think he's ever worked a day in his life he he has set the tone where it's like you have two options and one is disengage and the other is is play dirty well i think that's what's sad about it in a nutshell man i mean I, I, I was telling the, student, the same student about this. I mean, I think I don't long for any particular politician from the, the past. I guess I long for a past where the president felt presidential. You know what I mean? Where you could go, 
whether or not, whether or not I, I agree with this guy's politics, I respect the office and I respect the person. And um, I just think we're in a we're in an environment in which, you know, that is a that, that is a memory of a bygone day, man. And uh, and I guess that's a part of it that that makes me bummed out. Yeah. Um, but, boys, let's uh, I guess we should talk about this latest Trump debacle. We can we can set this up. Um, you know, if, if, if you're not familiar with it, just Google Donald Trump video or Donald Trump um, latest <laughs> or whatever. But uh, Trump was captured. Um, there, there was some audio of Trump that was taken in 2005 um, saying some really horrible things uh, about women. And um, it's created a new a new can of worms, obviously, for his campaign and a new round of uh, probably insincere apologies and backpedaling, et cetera. Um, and it's caused a lot of people, especially in the evangelical camp, to to kind of uh, pull their support uh, away from Trump. Um, so, Big R, you haven't you haven't talked a lot yet, man. We got off on the on the Vikings thing. I apologize about that. But uh, <laughs> in, what, that, that was a, such a sincere apology, dude. Yeah, that was about as sincere as Trump's apology. I'm not sorry for talking about the Vikings. No, actually. Don't ever was be like sorry. A, don't ever be was, sorry about talking sports, Big T. I'm with you. I'm with baby, you. that was the happiest thing I've talked about all day. Man. It really is. I actually <laughs> appreciate it. I actually wish yeah. you would have kept going on, given what we have to dive into. I wish right I had, now. too, man. I wish I had, So, too. hey, those but Vikings. Look, those Vikings. <laughs> those Vikings, man. What can we learn about the Vikings? But look, Big R, you live in a – and I know this because I went to grad school in the town yeah. that you're currently living in. You live in a bastion of conservatism right in the, right the breadbasket of America there in Ohio. Yeah, and, um, you know, people are – People are probably really conflicted about this, knowing what I know about just kind of, you know, good old fashioned kind of homespun Midwestern values and conservative politics and Trump. Um, what's the mood there in Ashland, Ohio, and how are you kind of uh, navigating this as a pastor? No, I think that's a good question. It's You know, to be honest, believe it or not, it feels really quiet to me. I, I think people mm. are conflicted. I think people are afraid uh, you know, if they are Trump supporters, I think there's a law. I think I really do believe there's a large segment of Trump supporters that are just going to be quiet about it because they know that's not going to look good on them. Mm-hmm. But yet they feel like, you know, they're, they're kind of playing the lesser of two evils option, at least in their minds. So I think there's a lot of quiet Trump supporters. There's not a lot of like Trump Pence, you know, like, you know, lawn signs that you're seeing, not as many as I yeah. as you think there would be. And so and because, you know, so for us as a church, you know, I, I just I go real quiet on it. And I, you know, I'm not like the political guy up, you know, you know, behind the pulpit. What? So I really I know, I, yeah, I know that it's shocks shocking. me. Guys, it's yeah. But um, yeah, so I man, it's just it's uh, I think this one is uh, this one is really, I, th- I think, interesting and significant, at least on that end of it, which is I, I'm really actually not sure where a lot of people are at, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I don't really go there a lot. And, yeah. um, you know, there's some people you have a feeling where you know where they're at. But I think yeah. largely I, I'm a little more I'm, I'm a little unsure at the end of the day. Dude, do you feel like there's there's a fear of even talking about it? Because if you talk about it, there's there's so many ways to make mistakes in how you talk about it, because there's so many inflammatory issues like there, there's almost no way to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, I feel yeah. like people Absolutely. are just like sort of exhaustedly rolling their eyes like like I am and, and just sort of taking a mulligan on it. Like, look, this latest thing, this doesn't change how I feel about it. I was never going to vote for Trump, right? So it's not like this <laughs> right. is some some new revelation. Yeah, but, I think – I- Go ahead, Pipe. I think yeah. with the with the the latest revelation of well that of Trump being a total scumbag, and I feel free to use that term because of because of the content of the video. I mean, this is not a political preference. I'm 
I'm apolitical when it comes to party preference. I, I don't have a preference to one party or the other. But I know that conservative evangelicals are generally tied to the Republican Party. And so what's disgusting and what's revealing about these latest comments is how it forces the, the conservative evangelicals' hand to to move away from their preferred party because they – I mean – all the way up until right before this, you still had the Wayne Grudems and the Jerry Falwells and the mm. James Dobsons and whoever else is endorsing Donald Trump. And now you, we haven't even – some of them have doubled down on that even after mm. these ridiculous, absurd, awful things that he said. And some of them like Grudem have distanced themselves and been like, I can't support that man's character, which I don't give them a whole heap of credit for because you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have in the first place. It was fairly obvious what kind of a person he was, but that's why I think it's important. I mean, why, why it's, why it's kind of intriguing and telling now, not because like it didn't sway my opinion on him either, but, but it forces the issue for people who are like, he's still – he's the lesser of two evils. He's the better candidate mm. between the two. Mm. And I'm like, really? That guy? So, yeah, but yeah. do you think – let me ask you guys this though because what I've noticed is that you know, when you take people that are a little bit older than we are and they are just – they've been sort of immersed and enmeshed in this idea that like – you know, part of my identity as being a good citizen of America is that I can't not vote. And so I think what I, so I think that there's I think that there's a lot of that in place here, whereas people that are even quiet about it, there's just something in the collective consciousness of a lot of Americans is that to not vote or to leave leave that leave that part of the ballot, you know, unchecked is somehow like a, you know, somehow a mortal sin. It's something that they can't really, they, they can't really get themselves to the place of even doing. And so yeah. I, I think, I think a lot of it is that it's like, what do you mean? Are you trying to tell me that I just shouldn't even vote for one of these candidates and I should just maybe go to my local elections and some of these other things. And I think for a lot of us, we would say, well, well, yeah, you know, like that, that's valid. You know what I mean? There's other things that you can actually have a bigger effect that your vote will have a bigger effect on anyway. But I think, man, that whole idea of like, I have to, of vote, I think that is so, so, so ingrained, especially in the older generation's collective consciousness that they just think, man, I'm literally not being a citizen. I don't deserve to live in America if I don't at mm. least vote for a candidate. And that's kind of a little more what I've seen with people. And what I'm saying is like to c- connect it with your Grudem thing pipe, I think I think for even a lot of these old school you know, like, you know, these, these old school theologians who, who we actually kind of vibe with in a lot of ways, who we respect, who we have like their books just stacked in our bookshelves. Like, <laughs> I think they have a hard they have a hard time reconciling that, you know, because they come from a different era than we are. Yeah. I mean, what do you yeah, guys think actually, about I think, that? Does that? I think in their era, there was this kind of there, there was a sense that religion and politics were kind of tied up together, you know, and I, I think yeah, this the generation era of the religious right. Yeah, it was the era of the religious right, which, you know, guys our age were just kind of we caught the tail end of that. But I think we never really bought it. You know what I mean? And and kids now, like college students now, they've grown up in an environment where there there were no such misconceptions, man. I mean, they they didn't grow up in an environment where, you know, uh, Christianity and politics were even remotely tied together in their lifetimes. Um, so, how, you know, how for does us, that, how does that explain though? So if that, I, I, I agree with everything you just said, but how does that explain mm-hmm. the statements of some of these religious leaders? Now, granted, mm-hmm. I will say there, the, some of the ones who are defending Trump tend to fall into a camp of Christian religiosity, which none of us would land ourselves in, in terms of, sure, sure. terms of sort of legalism and then God and country and these different kinds of things. But some mm-hmm. of them have, have tried to dismiss the things that he said that were, 
I mean, demeaning to women doesn't... I mean, there are a lot of things you could say that are demeaning to women that fall way short of what he said. He basically talked about assaulting women sexually. That's, I mean, that's way beyond just demeaning. And they've written it off. They've more or less been like, oh, it's locker room talk. I saw, I think it was Pat Robertson, who I guess we shouldn't take seriously anymore at all, but referred to it as like a macho thing to say. And, and I, I read that stuff and I'm like, you can't call yourself a Christian leader and come up with a defense for those statements or write them off, period. I mean, I, this is not a – when, when religion and politics have come together so much that your religion no longer recognizes biblical standards, like where are you? Yeah. yeah, well said, Pipe. I mean, we yeah, I mean, you're not going to get any. Yeah, yeah you're not Absolutely. getting any disagreement on this podcast. You know, you're yeah. preaching to the choir. But um, I, I guess I'm just curious if if one of you would play the devil's advocate to try to figure out what is the mindset that that can dis as it, call yourself an evangelical leader and dismiss those yeah. statements. I think it's I a think, mindset that's more. Go ahead, Bigar. No, not at all. I I mean, you you have more to say than me, probably. I, I just think it's again at the end of the day, it's fear, and I think. Um, I think all anybody can come to is that if it's not him, it's going to be her. And I fear to live in a country with her in the office. And, you know, which, you know, I, I would I would disagree with that level of fear, you know, given what they think the, the ramifications are of it, only because I think that anything that you believe that Trump is promising to do after the many, many ridiculous statements he's made up to this point, how can you believe he's going to make good on any of his quote unquote promises? You know, again, because, because what we're talking about is character, right? Like we judge somebody to be truthful about what they claim they're going to be do based on their character. And, and we haven't gotten anything from this guy saying that his character is going to make good on the promises that he's throwing out there. And so I think, um, you know, to, to, to literally, again, we're, we're pitting one against the other. And for us to literally say, well, you know, uh, Supreme Court justices and we go to all these other things that we claim we think he's going to do or fearful that the other person Hillary is not going to do. Well, again, to me, it comes back to, well, I, I don't, so you're saying that you trust one liar over another liar. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Yeah. And, and it, I was basically going to say everything that you just said and, and, and would add that it's a, it's a mindset pipe that's more focused on the end result of getting a Republican in office than it is about, you know, what we know in our own hearts to be right or wrong, you know? And I think that, that speaks to a level of fear and cynicism, uh, just about our culture. That's, that's really distressing to me. Um, it's just really troubling. And I think, I, I was I was telling my student, and we we really should have got her on here. But uh, I, I was telling my student, I think the the only thing that I remain hopeful about in all this is that somehow, because of Christ on our campus, um, our level of discourse could somehow be honoring to the Lord in this. And you know, by that I mean the way we talk about it on campus, the way we talk about it with each other, the way we, you know, kind of on campus talk about it on social media, but. Um, you know, what I'm seeing doesn't give me a whole lot of hope in that space, but, when, but when it's still my what, hope. And go ahead. When you say what you're seeing, do you, are you talking about like, uh, the political parties firing back and forth? Because I mean, may, maybe it's just the, the circles that I run in, but I have, I, I mainly just see people destroying Trump online and then, and yeah, then, it, and then it, destroying it, those who support Trump as well. And not always destroying it. I don't necessarily mean that in like vitriolic ways, but just condemning mm-hmm. the things that he said. Yeah, and, and and look, man, we're in an environment where it doesn't cost you anything to destroy Trump. 
Right. I mean, you could destroy Trump all the live long day and you're not running a risk of of really anything, man. Destroying Trump has become safe. And I get that. And, uh, and, there, and there's a lot of that going on here on campus. But there's also like I mean, it's, it's a microcosm of society at large in that you've got I mean, you've got kids on campus here who, who really want to see a Republican in office and they're and they're firing back and, you know, they're going after each other on social media in much the same ways that, you know, people in the outside world are going after each other. And, and, and my hope, I guess, for this place would be that um, that that would somehow look different and there would be a little bit more grace given given the small size of our community and, and you know, some of the uh, assumptions that we hold about about Christ or at least how, you know, we interact within this community. So um, but but I don't know, man, I, I, I think. That's the last thing that I that I retain hope for in this election, and um, I hope I'm not setting myself up for disappointment there. I well, I be. think if you go – no, but I, I think that's a really good point. But I think you know, talking about guys that just want a Republican in office, I mean what it mm-hmm. – so if, if it's this thing where we have to back into party, you know, it's just – it's again, it's based on fear. It's not based on principles and certainly mm-hmm. not based, based on – godly or biblical principles where you can look at an individual candidate and go, you know, he's my man or she's my woman, you know? Right. I mean, that, that right. just, that's not going to, that's not a factor then if all you're going to do is base your decision on party, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in, and in some ways, I guess it's, that would be one way of dealing with the cynicism would be to just make your decision based on party. And I think, you know, X number of people are doing that. Um, but yeah, it's hard to do it. You know, it's definitely hard to do it this year. So I don't know. Pipe, what do you got, man? You got anything I, more on I this? A, or? I have a question for you, Ted, being that you yeah. you currently are a coach on a college football team, which means you're in yep. and around locker rooms. So yep. one of the things that has been said, I don't know how widely it's been said, but it's definitely been picked up on and, and spread widely, is that uh, Trump's comments about uh, about women are just, quote-unquote, locker room talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, – kind of giving the impression that like boys will be boys. This is a thing that all guys do behind closed doors. Um, and then you have these other people who are like, uh, they, they, they've come back and they're like, I have daughters. I'm offended. I think Ronnie, you said that your, your daughter was like, well, shouldn't you be offended because of the statement itself? Not just because it affects someone who you're close to, which I resonate with. So I'm, I'm curious the locker room talk idea, like what, I guess, A, is that even valid? Is it valid to call that kind of talk locker room talk? And and then like mm-hmm. what does that say about I guess what 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 statements does that say about the assumption of men in general? Yeah, I I don't think it's safe to call it locker room talk. I mean, I I would call it just hardened heart seared conscience talk. Mm. And you know, on that level, it's talk that I've heard in offices where I've worked with People of both genders. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's tough out there in the world, man. It's nasty. And, you know, it's nasty in college football and it's nasty in the office. And, you know, it's nasty on whatever construction site you're working on. I've worked those jobs, too. And, and you know, I, I think the overall condition of the world is one of fallen brokenness. And I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to pin that on a on a locker room context anymore than it is to, to, to say it happens at a, you know, some kind of workspace or another, but I think the, the overall effect is just one of you're, you're sad for the state of humankind when this is an argument, you know, when, when this is a, when this is a defense of, of someone's behavior. And, and I have worked in locker rooms. I spent a lot of my life in locker rooms and do you hear some of that talk sometimes 
Yes, you do. Um, do you hear it from everybody? Absolutely not. I, I would say you don't even hear it from a majority of people, you know, and um, I, look, I mean, there, there's, there's really, there's no way to talk about this without somehow sticking your foot in your mouth. So I'm, I'm <laughs> treading very lightly on what I'm saying here, but I, yeah, I, I mean, to call that locker room talk, it, it, it just sort of, it's people trying to like take a mulligan for it and people trying to, to brush it away and, and suggest that it's not serious. And I think that's the, that is what's serious about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. it doesn't said, matter what kind of, it doesn't matter how you describe it to try to dismiss yeah. something that's that reprehensible is insane. Yeah. And that egregious yeah. is insane. That yeah. being said, man, I'll, I'll, I'll say this in, in the spirit of not wanting to like ignore the plank in my own eye, so to speak. I'm glad I'm not mic'd up 24/7, and I'll ju- I'll just leave it at that. I mean, yeah. God I, forbid I, I I say anything like what Trump said, but I'm glad a lot of what I say isn't recorded. You I, know, I, I don't want to get um, into the business of like parsing sin. You know, in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah. in terms exactly. of whose exactly. sin is worse than another sin. But I, I mean, yeah. I, I will say that it is true that in I mean, I I so I played sports up through up through high school. And uh, spent a lot of time in locker room, like locker rooms proper. But then, just like around yeah. the guys over the years, it is true mm. that what is said in a group of guys behind closed doors is always dirtier jokes than what are said in public. Sure, that is a different thing, defensible or not. It's a very different thing than Trump bragging about assaulting right. or molesting women, multiple yeah. women in in really specific ways in really right. vulgar fashion. That is not something I think I, I think I remember hearing one or two guys talk like that over the years. And generally speaking, the response from other guys, while maybe not violent, was very much like, dude, you need to shut yeah. up. Like that's yeah, like, dude, you, that's you beyond the pale, the you know? Yeah, and, uh, exactly. And usually it wasn't exactly. bragging about a thing that was done. It was just sort of like it was it was taking a joke and going to the disgusting level with it. I don't know. Yeah. I just that that bothered me from the perspective of like what you said, trying to dismiss it, but then also the fact that, like mm. there's there's a big big difference between you know a, a, a bit of dirty joking and uh, and bragging right. about hurting somebody. I and know. there's a difference too, I think, between a 19 year old outside linebacker and the potential leader of our country who's right. in his 60s. <laughs> and it's <laughs> and know. it's and it's fair to hold one to a slightly higher standard, and it's I, not, I it's agree. not the linebacker. Yeah, but it's again, it's no surprise. Again, when you take everything that he has said up to this point, right. I mean, this is just all, all we're going to keep seeing is like sort of the heightening of of who he is as a person in his heart at the degree of, you know, the, the degree of fallenness that we're seeing, like sort of, you know, kind of yeah. pour out of this guy, you know, so really, in a sense, it's not really that surprising at all. It's just the next step in sort of something that just keeps declining and descending and descending. Yeah. Exactly. So I know, Big R, I know you're pressed for time. We got to get you out of the studio. But I, I have one more question, and this is this is a question I asked my uh, my class right before I came up here. Um, we were talking about this. We were talking about you know Trump situation, etc. And I asked them, how do you how do you keep from being completely crushed and destroyed by cynicism in this environment? Um, and I'll ask you guys the same thing because I, I, I think my biggest discouragement in all this is that it it encourages me in an area of my life that's been a difficult and, and sinful area in the past, and that is cynicism. So how do you? I mean, how do you live in this election environment and not become just completely crushed by that? 
Um, okay, I'll go first, Pipe. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I was just – you couldn't see me, but I was gesturing. No, you. Go right ahead. You first. Well, I mean, look. All right, so I'll, I'll give you the pastoral answer. But, um, I, well, you know, because we – we still have Christ. I, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we, again, we're, we're tentative by saying these kinds of things, but, but they, it doesn't mean that they remain any less true. I mean, if, if Christ is our King and he's on the throne, I, I mean, we, there, there's always a reason to never be hopeless about earthly things that look like they're tearing down even the moral fabric of society. It doesn't, mm. at the end of the day, we do have a greater, brighter, bigger, bolder, bigger hope in front of us. And we also believe that, you know, God is not even one, uh, you know, millimeter out, uh, you know, this is not even one millimeter outside of his control. And so there's a sense where we go, all right, God, we believe you're sovereign. We believe you have this. And if this is the, this is going to be the direction of our country, then you're, you're not any less in control and you're going to use it as a way uh, to make yourself more known. And so for us, we have to go back to that hope because man, this, a lot of this does just look incredibly hopeless. It's easy to decline into cynicism. There's no doubt about it. We're all, we're all battling that. And I think that we could use, we could look at this as a way that God is using in our lives as the means in how to battle cynicism, because if we don't have anything that's going to, if we don't have anything in our lives to, to literally, you know, combat cynicism other than something amazingly cynical, then, then what is God going to use? You know, I think he uses that to draw us back to him and say, well, here's the opportunity. It's like, well, Lord, I need to be more patient. Well, he's going to give us situations that really try our patience. And this is a situation to really, yeah, really what you ask for. try our, right. This is going to be a situation yeah. to really try the cynicism of a people that hold to a faith that says God's in control and everything's going to be all right someday in the end. Well, here we go. Let's, can we live that out? That's the question. I think in in line with what Ronnie was saying, as you know, we all talked about how we we come from we're, we're sort of post the religious right generation where religion and politics were woven together, but we've all grown up around it and seen it, and it's yeah. always bugged me to no end to to see people attach. Uh, their Christian faith to politics and even judge people morally based on political party and things like that. And to me, this is a complete destruction of what I think is oftentimes an idol for Christians in in putting your hopes in political things. I think it's, mm. it is, you know, as much as I do not want either of these candidates to be president, I think both of them have no business running our country. I think they're awful candidates who have completely undermined their own credibility, both of them. I realize we've attacked, you know, we've said a lot about Trump. Uh, Hillary is going to skate into the office, it seems to me, based on Trump's uh, self-destruction. But, mm. but... The thing is, I look at it and I go, this is one of the best things that could happen to Christians Mm -hmm. because it forces us to define what we believe, why we believe it, where our hope is, and what defines us on something other than political mores, political standards, things like that. I mean, you now actually have to have a conversation about Jesus instead of about morals, you know, and things like that. And I'm happy for that. And I think think we need to have our church – detached slash amputated from a political party or 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 uh, any political influence in that way because and and so if, if trump is the candidate that represents quote-unquote evangelical christians it is both awful for evangelicals and exactly what we need because it forces us to say no that is not christianity i want no part in that i distance myself from everything that stands for and it's it's all lies and garbage which then means that you have to stand for something else, which is what you should have been standing for in the first place. So I, 
I, to me, it's not a matter of cynicism because I think the system isn't where our hope should have been in the first place. It's a, it's a system mm-hmm. that it's a, it is a functional necessity. You know, uh, G.K. Chesterton, I think, called, called – he said all politics are the epitome of a necessary evil. And that's kind of how I feel about them, which means that if you've been placing your hopes in it, well, now you have nothing to place your hopes in, so go find the real thing. And uh, I made the joke earlier about you know the 7,000th blog about Jesus is still on the throne because it gets a little tiresome when people keep writing the same stuff. <laughs> sure. But it's still true. And Indeed. You know, Ronnie said it. Indeed. You've said it. And so I don't – I mean to me it's not a matter of cynicism. It's almost more like, well, we're going to – we're just – we're burning the trash heap. And it's going to stink. Mm. It's going to stink, and smoke's going to be in your eyes, and it's going to sting. But in the end, the trash will be burned up. And isn't that what we kind of want anyway? Yeah, true. That's yeah, that's really good pipe. And I think you know Russell Moore has been writing some really fantastic things about this too. So yeah, check out check out what Moore is saying because he's you know he's a voice of reason and reality and, uh, and conviction you know, like he's not he's not tiptoeing yeah. around anything he's not he's really bold and it's really refreshing and he has a platform to do it and he's using his platform wisely he's just a great example of somebody using his platform in a really place of wisdom so it's been great yeah well boys uh lots of wisdom there pipe i appreciate uh i appreciate your last statement and uh and you too big r just appreciate you guys uh you guys talking about that. And I would say that we've wandered to and fro, but we really haven't. I mean, if by to and fro, I mean, from the Vikings <laughs> to Trump, I mean, that's really just one big step. So, uh, so we've kind of wandered to and fro and, uh, until next time, Rachel, the held Evans. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat on Life Audio. Happy listening.